This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. How are you doing, Mark? Oh, very good, Philip. Thanks very much for having me today. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad we got off to a great start. I can tell you bring a lot of energy to the room. Very passionate, very involved in what's going on. Nothing uh, slips by. And I think that's an important quality to have as an entrepreneur is to notice the little things, the intangibles. So I got to ask, where does this all come from? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs or veterans or creative working professionals? Where are you coming from? No, actually, uh, I don't come from a family of uh, entrepreneurs. Um, actually, my parents, um, my dad was a Marine and went into Marines after high school um, and got married at uh, 17 years old, married to my mom for 62 years now, actually today. Wow. Um, actually today. Um, I come from a blue collar family. I always say I'm a blue collar kid that ended up in a white collar world. Um, I was raised on just a couple things. One, work ethic. Um, my dad always said, don't let anybody outwork you Two, surround yourself with people that can make you smarter. And, uh, that's pretty much what I've tried to model myself, uh, my entire career. Uh, I started working at 12 mowing lawns, shoveling sidewalks, worked on a farm. My parents made me work at a very young age. Nothing was free. And they always made me, uh, learn that whatever you want in life, nothing is free. You got to go get it. And it's really that simple. You know, you can't argue the logic and what a gift they gave you to get that early, right? Because some people get to adulthood and can't work their way out of a paper bag, man. <laughs> um, we have a saying that we tell everybody, nothing replaces work ethic. You can be taught a lot and you can learn a lot, but nothing replaces going out and doing it every day consistently. Yeah, man. Um, you know, so I'm glad to know about your background in that way, because, uh, you know, we have a 20 plus year uh, veteran here with us, too, you know, with Jason. And mm -hmm. it's just that if there's one thing I've noticed about entrepreneurship, athletes and people who've been in the military and something along that lines, it's just there's just this character that can't be replaced that makes for a great recipe for anything someone wants mm -hmm. to achieve in life. Uh, so how did you then take that upbringing and get into like veteran diverse suppliers and all of that? Like, how, where, where does this start to connect for you? Because did you just like, that's what you always wanted to do or how'd you fall into this? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Cause I didn't sit down when I started my career. Um, when I graduated college, my background actually is in hotel restaurant management. Um, and that's what I went to college for. And I worked in the hotel restaurant industry until I was 27 in operations. So I started my career in operations, overseeing hotel properties um, and things of that nature. I pivoted my career at 27 to work for a company called Paychex. I actually started an inside sales position with them, right? I worked my way up through as an inside sales rep to an outside sales rep 
to a manager, to a regional manager. Uh, I helped develop their virtual sales team. I was a mentor to 26 sales managers, 170 sales reps with them. So a bulk of my background and experience in payroll, HR, and all of that came from paychecks. I did acquisitions for them. I helped acquire companies with them. I then uh, shamelessly uh, was lured away to work for uh, a friend of mine at Bank of America as a VP of investment banking. And I reluctantly took that job, but it was actually the best job I, I had from a learning experience because Bank of America really invested into teaching you about investment banking. That's why I learned a lot about cybercrime because banks work really diligently to protect their money. But that's where the concept started to develop in my head to why companies struggled to grow. But I'd also seen it at Paychex because at Paychex, you work with small to mid-sized companies as well. But at Bank of America, when, when nice folks like yourself go to a bank and are looking for a loan, yes, financials were extremely important. But what I learned was is to lending and investment banking was is to mitigate risks to making the investment in a company. So not only did you look at the financials, and if you were also looking at the owner of the company, you were looking at their strategies of growth, you were looking at their leadership team or insert internal skill sets to be able to facilitate whatever strategy to growth that they had and their ability to scale. And it was an eye opener to me that why companies struggle to make that two years, but also why companies struggle to grow. And there's really, it's this is cliche. There's really three reasons. When, when you ask business owners the question, you know, about what overwhelms them, it keeps them up. A lot of business owners have their hands in the business and not on the business. So when you pick that, that, that apart, you say, oh, if your hands are in the business, why? You start looking at internal skill sets, right? Segment duties. And then you find that they don't have the internal skill sets to actually do some of the things that need to be done. And then third, you're saying, well, if you don't have any internal skill sets, why don't you look financially to find them? And that's where things kind of fall apart sometimes, right? Those three things, time, money, and resources. It does sound cliche, but it, it is the real root of a lot of issues. And then companies developing consistency. Consistency of communication, bringing awareness to themselves. And when you start peeling back this banana, you, you, it's really easy to identify where people may fall short or not achieve the goals that they want. It's not that they don't want to. It's they need a little bit more oomph behind them to get there. Man, I mean, you came out the gate with Valley, man. Uh, and that's how it's done. Uh, that's how you do a podcast right there. That's how you do a conversation <laughs> with anyone, right? Uh, wow. de uh, deliver value first. And uh, I can tell that you're passionate about this work too. And what an interesting opportunity as your journey unfolded for you to really step into these areas. Because uh, some people never go past sales, especially if they're making good money. That's, that's where they want to stay. Right. I know plenty of salespeople, they start pulling in two, three hundred thousand dollars a year just because they're doing sales, probably even more if you're talking bigger, right? Like you're doing some high ticket item stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't want to risk that. And I think I can see why you were like, investment banking, what why do I want to go there? <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> you meet so many nice people, but you understand why you can't invest in them. Right. You, I was in the time that I was an investment banker, I said no more than yes. 
And I had a lot of sleepless nights because of that, because I'd meet nice people like your folks that you really wanted to help out, but you couldn't because I couldn't control that outcome. It was at that point I started to talk about how can I use my background and experience in all of my positions to really just help businesses achieve their goals, business goals, through trying to solve those three problems of time, money, and resources, right? And that's where we came up with the concept that we have. That's The name of my original company was CA Pulse Partners. But I met Paul Mara, uh, a diverse supplier development corporation, about seven years ago. I don't even remember how we came together. But somewhere along the line, we came together through our, our marketing efforts. And we ended up having a phone call. And I learned what he was doing in the veteran space and, and, and trying to bring veterans and introduce them to large corporate companies that were committing themselves to using veterans and diverse suppliers. And then I shared with them what I, what I did. What we did was is just bring the two organizations together for the greater good of helping others. And it's really that simple. So we, we have a team of executives on our roster. That's why we call it Delta Point Partners. We're like partners, just not on paper. We have Paul, who's a serial entrepreneur forever. My background, we have Ken Erdell, that's a retired senior, senior VP of operations. We have a retired CEO. We have a retired uh, people that have worked with diversity inclusion. So what we've basically done is created an executive level team to bring to small to mid-sized companies to really help them grow their business. And that's why we call it like partners. We are actually like partners, just not on paper. We don't coach people what to do and hope they do it. We actually will help them facilitate work that they're either not good at or they don't want to do. Because when you get into business, you're really good at hammering nails and building houses. But then all of a sudden you become an HR manager. You got to be a sales and marketing person, right? <laughs> you got to worry about government compliance. And you become paralyzed because there's so much stuff coming at you that you don't know where to start. But what you do know is you need to generate income to pay your bills. And then some of the other things fall by the wayside. And in today's world, what people forget, there's almost six generations making decisions today. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and, and in some cases, 70s. People know why they started their business. But we ask the question, what, what do you want the end result to be? And everybody says, well, I want to retire. I want to sell my business someday. We say, well, what's the roadmap to get there? And there's no clear roadmap. So we bring that team, like we're partners, to number one, take a look at where they're at. And then where do they want to go and how do we help them get there? But now we focus in the veteran and diverse space because big corporate companies like Capital One, Disney, 3M, they're allocating 10 to 30% of their annualized budgets for veteran and diverse suppliers. So how do you put yourself in a place that you become a logical choice? And there's a lot of things to do to put yourself in a position to be a lot of logical choice. And what we try to do as a team is collectively put them in that position to become a logical choice to those organizations. But while we're doing that, we're also working to help them build their business in their own backyard or on a national level. So we help create a balanced attack to achieving their goals, right? And we do that through the infrastructure that we've built, whether it's through digital outlet, email, providing them a fractional digital marketing team or a fractional sales team. Because most companies hiring a salesperson is a risk today. It's a risk. The sales cycle today is longer than it's ever been. And it's no fault of the company. It's everything else going on around us, for a lack of a better word, has paralyzed people to what decision, what do I do first? What do I do second? What do I do third? 
And how do I organize it? But then how do I execute it? And yeah. that's what Paul and myself and our team have, have tried to do over the last several years. I can see this. Uh, you, you're like the um, some people who are launching startups will go to venture capital funds and, you know, that's where they want to go. Some people don't have access to that. Right. And that's when you with Delta Point Partners and all the work that you've been doing and your entire experience, that's where your passion really shines through. And I can see it because, you you know, like these are, like you said, these are good people. We can't help them all. But the ones that we can, we're going to make sure they get the help they need. And I see that. I see that. Uh, before we go any further, I want to check in with Jason because some of you've dropped some bombs on us, and I know he's got a thing or two about that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, you know, everything that you've said to this point, I've seen too. So it's in our company at SAB too. It's the same thing, working with clients, so on and so forth. And what a lot of business owners don't understand is they will cap no matter what. They will hit a cap. They'll hit a ceiling no matter what. And they're almost revenue levels. You hit a million, that's a cap. <laughs> now you got to do the next thing to be able to hit the next growth, right? Because mm-hmm. um, the honest to God's truth is most entrepreneurs can run a business up to a million dollars on their own, pretty much. Yes, um, It's tough, but I mean, you can do it. But once you hit that first million dollar cap, now you got to go to the next thing and that's build a team, right? So now you have to build a team around it. And a lot of folks don't know how to do it because they don't know how to let go. <laughs> right? They don't know how to they don't know how to let go. And and the the simple fact is you know and then then there's the thought of like I don't know can I don't know if I can afford to bring people in and do this and do that fill this these shoes these shoes these shoes and these shoes. Well, well, the truth of it is, if you would do that, you could scale, <laughs> right? Until you do that, you're going to remain stagnant. Uh, most, the most of them will. There's your unicorns, obviously, but, but, uh, but for the most part, you know, there, there's those caps and we see the same thing you're talking about. And it's important that people li- are, are freaking listening to this conversation that are there and go, And to speak to something that Jason said is absolutely correct. People can get their business to a certain point. But the reason getting financing is so difficult is number one is cash flow. Money today, the cost of doing business is going up quicker than margins. And one of the things that we always talk to people about, and I know Jason is keenly aware of this, I love what Jason and his company does, is that people, we become an instant gratification society. And building a business is not instant gratification. You have to have, and, and building a business is like playing sports. It's like a hobby. It's like anything. If you want to be good at something, you have to do it consistently. There's no such thing as trying. You either do it or you don't. If you don't do it, you might not be doing it very well. That just means you need more information to do it better. Or you don't do it at all. And if you don't do it at all, it's because you don't know how to do it. There is no such thing as trying. That, and that's in my space. That's what I believe. So if you're doing something and not doing it well, then you have to analyze it. Why aren't I doing it well? Well, that's where having a team of people can help, right? With executive level experience that can help guide the ship, write the ship. But then you got to execute it. I always have a saying that, you know, if you go do your due diligence of what percentage of the marketplace makes a $100,000 salary, that percentage is extremely small. 
So I always say, you have a need number. What do you need to make to pay your expenses and live your current life? And what do you want to make? And what's that gap? If the gap is pretty big, what's your motivation to really want to do it? It really is having a strategic plan, executing it daily and consistently. And that's where so many fall down, right? When people look at a lot of the clients I had the pleasure to work with through the pandemic, you want to know what we did? We increased our marketing. We didn't decrease it. We became more consistent in our messaging during the pandemic. Now, we didn't, they didn't spend a lot of money, but we said, you have to stay visible and relevant. Then when things slow down, you're at the forefront of when things slow down. But where do most people cut? That stuff, right? Because people want an instant gratification sale. There's a saying, a future sale is more important than a sale today. And here's why. If you're working real hard to develop future prospects, that you're a logical solution based on what you do and you stay consistent to a process, you don't have to worry about an instant sale because it's going to come because you've developed that process of communication and follow-up. And that's where a lot of organizations fall down. My experience with paychecks, we managed by data. Small companies don't have data. They don't have the right infrastructure to manage data. But what I learned at paychecks is, is how many times does it take to reach out to somebody before they actually are willing to listen to you. More importantly, how many people does Jason need to talk to before somebody says yes to Jason's services? You know how many people don't know that number? Well, if you need to talk to 15 people before one says yes, how many people do you actually need to contact to actually talk to those 15 people? People don't think about the math behind it, right? You look at all of the great Hall of Famers, Michael Jordan, what was his shooting percentage? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, 32%. 32%. So how many shots did he take to make his three? Derek Jeter, lifetime batting average, 302. He had to get into the batting cage, into the batter's box, 10 and a half times to get three hits. Sales and marketing is the same thing. If you don't get in the batting cage to bring awareness to who you are and follow up consistently, people don't realize it takes between three and 15 methods of communication before someone says, yes, that I'll talk to you. And most small companies, I know Jason knows this it, through what he does too. You have to have that consistent communication somehow, whatever it may be, whether you hire your own salesperson, hire your own digital market, whatever it may be, you have to have it. You have to have it. Most people in my experience that make their million dollars start with people they know. The people that they know, or they got that one big contract that's 500000 I'll tell you why I know this. When you're with Bank of America and you're doing investment banking and somebody wants a million dollars and they say they're a million dollars in revenue, the first thing we ask for is how many clients do you have? Well, I have 10. And I can tell you this statistically, that of those 10 clients, two of them are 80% of their overall revenue. There's a reason why they have difficulty getting financing, and it's because of that 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a problem for small businesses, and it's another reason why they have a difficult time growing. Because you might be a $10 million business. We have one right now that's a $10 million business with four government contracts. Dangerous. Now, the owner, the owner, <laughs> oh, wow. the owner, now, now I'm not, I don't discredit the strategy sure. because the owner is making good money, good for him. But finding financing becomes real difficult because who wants to lend to somebody that has four government contracts worth 10 million? So if he wants to sell the business, 
He now has to find a veteran that's certified to take over that company to then take over that contracts. Where Paul and I came together is big corporate companies. They want to spend that money, but they want to spend it with somebody that's capable of handling those opportunities. Think of it this way. A million dollar contract is no different than a million dollar loan. Money's money. Mm -hmm. And that's where Paul and I came together to be able to work with nice companies, work with them for three months, six months, learn about their business, help put all their ducks in a row to then position them for those opportunities with those, those big corporate companies all while we're trying to build their business in their own backyard for what we call organic revenue through some of our tools and resources and partnering with people. That's powerful stuff, man. And I mean, I, I myself want to say talking 2014, 2015, somewhere around there, I was part of an agency where like 80% of their revenue came from like one client and it, you know, and everyone else were like smaller and they were in the middle of trying to have conversations about, okay, we're changing our retainers are going to be no less than 10 K each now, you know, and trying to mitigate some of that risk because it's a risky position to be in. I understand why somebody who's going to give you money goes, well, I mean, you lose one of those and you've already destroyed most of the trust we could have, you know, it's, it's uh, from there, it's just a domino effect. So Nothing short of changing the structure of your business and the way you're, you've multiplied through your clients and how you're getting that revenue is going to help us gain confidence to be able to invest in you. I can see the way that works. And when we talk about what we've been covering, where uh, people can cap at certain levels, mostly because they're always working internally. I mean, from what I've seen after having spoken to like 2000 plus people on in these interviews for podcasting is a lot of them do rely on referrals. It's very few companies that actually have a budget aside specifically for marketing uh, because it's like you said, it's not instant gratification. In fact, the first 90 days of you doing any kind of marketing is data collection to understand how you're even supposed to iterate and get closer to who it is your target audience is. And most people start a business on a whim for the most part, and most mm -hmm. of them got lucky along the way. And then when you actually have to start applying business fundamentals, these are all, you know, for me, I understand it. Does it understanding it and actually doing it are two totally different things, right? Everyone knows better, but how many are actually doing better? Most people go, it's, yeah. <laughs> it goes back to this, the three principles I said is time, money, and resources. That's the contributor to everything, even in your personal life, right? A lot of people that build a business with the end in mind, build a business thinking that their business is going to be their asset. In, in my entire career of helping people with mergers and acquisitions, there's three things that are extremely important to do is as you build your business and build revenue and cash and build you know, credibility in who you are, you also need to save for retirement. And so many small business owners that I've ever worked with and supported build a business to develop a lifestyle thinking that their business is the asset. And there's a saying, the person who has the money, who has the power, I don't care what you think. If I have $5 million to spend, I'm going to tell you what I'm willing to pay, not what you think. What they think doesn't matter. It's what is somebody willing to pay? And those are also things that we try to help prepare people for. Because same with investment banking. If I have a million dollars to invest, I'm going to decide whether or not I want to invest it with you or somebody else. And these are the things that we're looking at to determine if we're going to invest that million, right? That's why they changed it from lending to investment banking, because you are, you're investing in the business, but you're investing, believing that they can hit their benchmarks. 
that they have a good strategy, but more important, that they can actually execute it, right? And that's one of the things we try to get people to realize. Some of the companies that we work with that are $10 million, we go in and we do an assessment of them from the top down, a third-party perspective. And all we do is find area of opportunities to strengthen their organization. And then what do they need to do to strengthen it? But we also, when we look at their financials, we find out that they're spending money in places that they don't need to because somebody sold them that they needed to spend that money that way and they don't, right? So there's a lot of people selling things out there today. And there's lots of people that don't know where to actually spend their money, right? Like, well, well, let's do lead generation. I can get you leads. What good are leads? What good are leads if the business owner can't close a lead? Literally useless. (laughs) Useless, right? What good is 30 leads in a month if that company can't handle five times growth? Those are things that people like Jason are said, we dig into that information so you can help develop the right strategic plan and grow the right way, right? And not be reactive to growth. Because growing's hard. Anybody that starts a business, I applaud them because it's, 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 it's a really tough thing. I started mine seven years ago when I was 48 with two kids. Two kids, young. But I also know that my drive and work ethic, I had a great idea. And that great idea has continued to materialize because 75% of the marketplace across the United States are 10 employees, companies. Everybody wants the big fish. Everybody wants that big fish. Why? Because it's a big fish. I'd rather hit singles and doubles consistently than to wish for a home run. And that's what we try to get. That's what we try to do. You're right. I mean, when people look at the stats in baseball, I mean, you don't even have to be that good to be a star. And that's kind of like life too. You just got to be consistent. That's, that's literally it. And got to show up at least. (laughs) You do got to show up. I just had this conversation with a business owner this morning. I said, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what do you, what time you wake up? It goes seven. I go, what time do you end your day? It goes five. I go, what do you do between seven and five? He says, what do you mean? I said, what do you do every 15 minutes of the day? Because see, the reason that you don't make six figures is people waste time. And there's only one thing you can control is your time. And if you let others deteriorate from your time, you will never get where you want to go because people don't manage their time well. And I always say, is what you're doing right now making you money? Yes or no? (laughs) As somebody throws their phone out of their window. (laughs) Right? Is what you're doing right now making you the $100 an hour that you need to make to hit that six-figure mark? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then change your behavior. So... No, man, uh, this is powerful stuff. And uh, we're having such a great conversation. I, I The best uh, the best got away with me. Uh, and I, I want to make sure people know, like, where can they get a hold of you if they want to get to know you better and know about your work more? Well, they can always go to our, our website, www.deltapointpartners.com. I, w- I welcome a phone call anytime. The, the people on our team are age 54 to 72. We always say we're just a bunch of old folks trying to do meaningful work. Because if you look at people being hired in companies today, they're, they're late. The people that went to college, the late 20s, the late 30s, the 40s. I'm the youngest on our team. Everybody on our team is a veteran or a diverse person. I'm the only non-veteran, the only non-veteran, but my dad was a Marine. And we just say we're like a tool shed of experience. That's it. That's it. That's all we are is like a tool shed of experience. We, we don't have a blanket approach to anything. It's all customized because we don't know where somebody needs help. And then we work to facilitate the help. 
right? With, with, with all the team members that we have. And we work for the greater good of the client and whatever that may be. And they're getting executive level experience sitting side by side with them. And that's why we say we're like partners, just not on paper because we act that way. But you can let us go at any time if you don't like us, right? But knock on wood, we've done all right. We have a shelf life to our client base. Our shelf life is three months to a year because our goal is to get people moving in the right direction that they can do it themselves. And they're in a position to do it themselves. I love that. That's the metric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a great time to take a short uh, minute to just give a shout out to someone who made this episode possible because we have internal supporters, people from our community who actually listen, who we gave one of the limited slots that we have for uh, being able to give them a shout out in the middle of these conversations and such a powerful conversation about business. Right here, we, we're talking about our supporter, Rogue Publishing Partners, uh, with with Shelby Joe Long. Now, they essentially can offer you an entire. Uh, we're talking turnkey. If you're looking to publish books and 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 get your your message out there, they'll give you the independent publishing industry in a box uh, from executives, entrepreneurs, the coaches, consultants, writing, publishing, get any traction you need including marketing the books, they'll be able to do that for you. And all you have to do is go to roguepublishingpartners.com and tell them the war room sent you and they'll roll out the red carpet for you. Uh, With that said, getting back to what we're doing here, Mark, we've had such a profound conversation about some hard truths that businesses consistently refuse to look at because especially when you're under the pressure that you, we anticipate the people who I looked away when we were talking about this. We just hope that it goes away, but it's not a thing that'll ever go away, you know? And yet that's what most people do. They grit their teeth and we hope that it goes away. And it's human. It's human to do that. You know, when is the saber tooth going to leave? It it hasn't been very long, only a couple hundred years, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, bef- uh, before our civilization started getting more robust and people started working together. But yet again, no matter how much we've advanced, we're still primal in a lot of the things that we do. And, you know, uh, laziness is a real thing. And if you get comfortable enough, uh, you know, then uh, there's no need to, <laughs> to struggle, no need to, you know, but I, that's why I love this conversation because right away you can just tell, it's like, look, we're going to pull out all the hard facts here. That's what this conversation has been about. And I think it's a profound one. So before we go on to the grand finale, I want to check in with Jason one last time and see what he's thinking about all this. Yeah, let's let's roll out the grand finale. So with all that we've covered, Mark, if you could have invited anyone to join this room today, after everything we just talked about, who would have been in your ideal scenario, the person to bring into this room to join the conversation and why? That's a, a great question. And, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, um, but I am going to say my mom and dad for a couple of reasons. Um, they raised kids to be humble right? Just go do your thing. Work hard, do your thing, and good things will happen and treat others like you like to be treated. They have no idea what I do. They have no idea what I do. They have no idea the work that we've done for others to be successful. Um, And maybe someday I'll have an opportunity, you know, they're 82 years old. You always want your parents to be proud of the work that you do. But because they rate humble kids, my mom will always ask me, how's work going? I'll say, good but I never really shared the success and neither is my brother. 
uh, with our with our parents, other than we just work hard. That's what they know. We work hard and we're trying to raise good families and be good people. But those would be the two. I love that, man. Yeah, and I can I can see why that uh, restraint or boundary was placed. Because at the end of the day, you're just happy that you're family and you're upholding the values. So what's there to discuss, right? Yeah, we're doing good, you know. Uh, and then you get into the business circle where it makes sense. And you start to have these conversations and celebrate these wins because they're and they're real impact. And that's what this show loves. So for me, I'm really glad you stopped by. You, you truly do embody a lot of the spirit of what this show is trying to do. You right out the gate, you were delivering value and pointing out some things that if anybody didn't know, now you know. And there's no way not to know after listening to this conversation. So get with it or jump off. You know, uh, with that said, it is tradition for Jason to close out the show. So I'm going to turn it over to him. But it's been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate the time today, Philip. I really do. And you guys do tremendous work and I appreciate it. Yeah, I will say that you left some really good nuggets behind. And if people didn't catch those, well, they were just sleeping at the freaking wheel because, you know, these are the conversations we love having on this show are these kind of conversations. They bring out the, the real, you know, the stuff that's going on today, right? And it's, it's from other perspectives and, and that's the key, right? Because I can get up on my soapbox and talk forever. But then when you see two synergies come together, aha, uh-huh, yes, we all see the same thing. That, that makes people have to stop and think a little bit more about that conversation. Like, wow, three people just agreed on those three things. Hmm. Maybe I need to pay attention a little bit more, right, on, on those three things. So, you know, that's the beauty of having a roundtable conversation like this. And, you know, thanks for taking the 30 minutes to come by here and, and share with our, our audience and, and share with us. We really appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate all that you do. And um, I appreciate uh, what you're uh, doing with these podcasts for everybody. Um, it's a huge benefit. And I, I thanks for sharing uh, your podcast with everybody. Because if people go back and look at the podcast, there's a lot that people can learn from them. So thank you. My man. Right, right on. Thanks for stopping by, man. Cheers. Yeah. Guys, have a great day. Great weekend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.